What's up, QAA listeners? The fun games have begun. I found a way to connect to the internet. I'm sorry, boy. Welcome, listener, to Premium Chapter 140 of the QAnon Anonymous Podcast, the 9-11 Occult Ritual episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rakotansky, Julian Field, Liv Agar, and Travis View. We cannot know what truly lies in the inscrutable depths of Travis View's psyche. Like a lake in a Jane Austen story, the surface is a troubled reflection of a doll-like visage. But this hides untold phantasmagoria beneath. And thus, we may never know why exactly Travis decided to pick up a book entitled The Most Dangerous Book in the World, 9-11 as a Mass Ritual. Even if he explains it later in this episode, I won't really be listening. Like I said, he is unknowable. But of late, a certain sorrow can sometimes be observed clouding his brow. And in our latest main episode, he wrote the following words. Today I bring you news of the plague and how it has made ever-present death more prominent in our lives and minds. With the advent of what many are calling the Age of Goth Travis (laughs) comes, logically, a turn towards the satanic. In this case, a book recounting the theory that the attacks of 9-11 were a massive satanic ritual. Across several packs of clove cigarettes and staying up by candlelight, Mr. View has imbibed this hidden knowledge in the hopes of delivering us a book report. And how have you fared, esteemed colleague? Well, I have to say, it was was, uh, fairly enlightening. I learned a lot, but kind of uh, disappointing, as we'll see as we get deeper into the book, because it didn't deliver all of the answers I was hoping for. Right. You mentioned... Uh, and we'll talk about it, I'm sure, in the episode. But you mentioned that it's almost impossible to debunk because everything is just like interpretation that that extends like half of the interpretation extends into things you cannot see or feel or touch or taste the world of spirit. Right. I mean, yeah, some of the things are like I was like, I, I am, am able I was able to fact check some parts of the book. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it is like, well, it's like, well, this references some sort of ancient occultic practice. And when you check on that, that's true. I guess the only dispute is whether or not that has any significance whatsoever. Yeah, right. Or if these practices actually do bring about, you know, demonic entities or spirits, you know, into this dimension. Hard to yeah. hard to hard to check that. It only works if time moves backwards, and the nine eleven attacks were summoning George W. Bush as president. <laughs> so what you're saying is that it works. Is that it's, all of this book is correct? Yes. This is it a works. takedown of Travis View and his uh, <laughs> yes. false ways. It works, but it actually requires us to basically be moving towards the Big Bang instead of the other direction. That sounds. We could use another Big Bang. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just hit reset button. The most dangerous book report in the world. Now, just last week, it was the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks, a horrible day of death and terror. And the trauma of that event, of course, led to a lot of other unnecessary violence in its wake and pain for decades afterwards. 9-11 also was, of course, perhaps the greatest source of conspiracy theories since the assassination of JFK. Uh, and, you know, some of these, like all sorts of great sources of conspiracy theories, you know, some of them were uh, more plausible than others. Uh, Julian, it's my understanding that in one point in the 2000s, you were drawn by the classic 9-11 conspiracy film Loose Change. Oh, yeah. Like, I remember very clearly sitting with my parents. I think I, was, I must have been like 17, sitting with my parents at dinner one night and just being like, you guys, 
and just <laughs> just basically explaining the exchange to my dad, <laughs> my Swiss dad, who's like, okay, yes, that is okay, yes, okay, uh, that's a bit weird, no, okay, well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember being hunched over my computer screen, looking at those videos of the towers collapsing that zoomed in on where supposed to be little puffed clouds that mm-hmm. were that were shooting out of the side of the building that the conspiracy theorists claimed were was evidence of a controlled demolition. So yeah, I do remember that was a that was sort of the sort of the budding sort of uh, time of online conspiracism. I mean, it was such an amazing conspiracy. Whoever planned it and executed it, that is a magnificent conspiracy theory. No matter who is behind it, you're talking about something incredibly explosive, that that it got to that point and who knew about it and who didn't. It is fascinating. I suppose, you know, the interesting thing about, you know, um, 9-11 is that every explanation is technically a conspiracy theory, because even if you if you like buy into every word and letter of the 9-11 Commission report, you believe that there was a coordinated effort to commit terror, which is by definition a conspiracy. I disagree. So it's really I, my theory is that they were just on the plane and they're like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it'd be crazy. They all spontaneously decided to do a terror independently. <laughs> Yeah. This was actually an early TikTok thing. <laughs> just hit the most devious lick. Damn. Just, yeah. 9-11, the most devious lick. A book by Liv Agar. <laughs> you both are going... Sp- talk about Satan. You both are going to meet them soon uh, in the underworld uh, when you go to hell. I'm sorry that me and Liv are not American citizens like you two. We, we forgot about 9-11 several times, and so we had to be reminded by telling us, you know, never forget or whatever yeah i was barely conscious i didn't remember in the first place i remember i was so i was in my dorm room on the first floor of a place called party tower which is a real name and my friend uh rohan i was like you know waking up out of a haze of probably smoking marijuana the night before and my my friend uh, Rohan burst into my dorm room and he was like, dude, you got to wake up. Terrorists are blowing up New York City. And so that was like my fr- I was like, what? And I remember, you know, because not everybody had a TV in their dorm room. So <laughs> you, did. you did the <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And so not everybody had a TV in their dorm room. So we like huddled in one guy's room and watched the footage. Yeah. And it was like. Yeah, yeah, it was like one of those moments where you were just like, okay, so everything is going to be different probably from from this point on. And it was. Now, the anniversary of 9-11 reminded me of a conspiracy theory that was introduced to me by QAnon promoter Sarah Ruth Ashcraft. Back in 2018, she said this in a tweet. 9-11 was a worldwide public Luciferian ritual sacrifice. Many families fed off of their unaware slaves that night stealing the terror chemicals the ritual created. The family feeds on terror in this way. I really liked this conspiracy theory because often when you explore conspiracy theories, it's the same shit over and over and over again. But this felt fresh and new and wild. You know, it wasn't controlled demolition. It wasn't even holographic planes, which I had heard before. This was 9-11 as a satanic sacrifice. I came to learn that this conspiracy theory is not original to her, but rather the subject of the book that we'll be exploring today, which is titled The Most Dangerous Book in the World, 9-11 as a Mass Ritual. Here's the enticing description of that book. In this shocking expose, 
Investigative researcher and author S.K. Bain explores the inconsistencies, coincidences, and historical precedents of the events of September 11, 2001, and reconstructs an occult-driven script from a global Luciferian mega-ritual. Bain argues forcefully that the framework for the entire event was a psychological warfare campaign built upon a deadly foundation of black magic and high technology. The book details a view of the sinister nature of the defining event of the 21st century and opens a window into the vast scope of the machinery of oppression that the author asserts has been constructed around us. Now, I was really fascinated when reading the book, in part because I think it's a really clear example of some of the basic principles of how conspiracism operates. And I'm thinking specifically about conspiracism as it is described in the book, A Culture of Conspiracy, Apocalyptic Visions in Contemporary America by Michael Barkun. Barkun says this, A conspiracist worldview implies a universe governed by design rather than by randomness. The emphasis on design manifests itself in three principles found in virtually every conspiracy theory. Nothing happens by accident. Conspiracy implies a world based on intentionality from which accident and coincidence have been removed. Anything that happens occurs because it has been willed. At its most extreme, the result is a, quote, fantasy world far more coherent than the real world. Nothing is as it seems. Appearances are deceptive because conspirators wish to deceive in order to disguise their identities or their activities. Thus, the appearance of innocence is deemed to be no guarantee that an individual or group is benign. Everything is connected. Because the conspiracist world has no room for accident, pattern is believed to be everywhere, albeit hidden from plain view. Hence, the conspiracy theorist must engage in a constant process of linkage and correlation in order to map the hidden connections. So, as we'll soon see, I think, I think a lot of the theories within the book are like a platonic ideal of these uh, kinds of pr principles. From the premise of the book, you might reasonably assume that our author, S.K. Bain, is a total outsider from mainstream politics. But in fact, for five years, he worked as the director of art for the Weekly Standard magazine. Up until its demise in 2018, the Weekly Standard was a right-leaning publication that is referred to as the Neocon Bible. The articles were often written by people from conservative think tanks in Washington. The publication voiced support for war with Iraq as early as 1997, so they were really on that train, wow. even during the Clinton administration. In the wake of the 9-11 attacks, it worked to link Saddam Hussein and Osama bin Laden in an attempt to build support for the war. So they were pushing their own kinds of conspiracy theories that were a little bit more mainstream than this one. Right. However, while Bain was doing this work, he says he led a double life as a closeted conspiracy theory connoisseur and investigative author researching the occult, black magic, and psychological warfare, which is why, he says, he's able to decode all of the horrific events surrounding the attack. You have been listening to a sample of a premium episode of QAnon Anonymous. We don't run any advertising on the show, and we'd like to keep it that way. For five bucks a month, you'll get access to this episode, a new one each week, and our entire library of premium episodes. So head on over to patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous and subscribe. Thank you. Thanks. I love you. Jake loves you. <laughs> <laughs>